This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We're Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode number 554, and I am one of your hosts, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. I will not be joined by Chris. You can follow him by, uh, at Chris Sweendog. I'm not going to be joined by Dave. You can follow him at DavidPTDPT. On Twitter and Instagram as well. Collectively, we are marking out on Twitter at marking out, uh, Instagram and YouTube at marking out eleven, Facebook.com slash marking out, YouTube. I already said that. Um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash marking out. Get some new merch. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code re. Regardless, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Also, MarkingOut.com. Like I said, I am your host, Brandon. I'm doing awesome as always. Going to talk about my week real quickly. I went to SmackDown on Friday at Madison Square Garden. I will talk about that in just a moment. Also, grilled up some steaks. Made some air fryer baked potatoes. Both, I think, turned out really well. I saw Shang-Chi this week. Um, But really, ultimately, because I'm by myself, I should just get into the thick of it. I'm going to start with SmackDown from last week. Madison Square Garden. We did not talk about it because I went to the show, like I said already. (laughs) But when we... At Madison Square Garden, saw Charlotte Flair pick up the victory over Rhea Ripley in a dark match, which I definitely didn't need to see happen, but I didn't actually mind the match. I would have preferred other people, but Charlotte was one of the advertised people. Rhea Ripley was advertised, I believe. Sasha Banks, Bobby Lashley were also advertised. They were not there. That's fun. Um, After that, we saw a... Really good video tribute package to 9-11, or about 9-11. And then Lillian Garcia sang the Star Spangled Banner to, to pay tribute to the people who lost their lives 20 years ago on September 11th. I don't know why that wasn't included on SmackDown, but um, they did post that online. SmackDown itself kicked off with the Bloodline. I liked Roman Reigns mentioning that when it comes to sports entertainment, WWE runs New York City, and the bloodline runs WWE, and because he runs WWE, he runs Madison Square Garden, and he wants everybody at Madison Square Garden to acknowledge him, which he got a good pop for. People actually were like acknowledging the universal champion, Roman Reigns, so that was pretty cool to see. Brock Lesnar comes out making his uh, big return to Madison Square Garden, looking looking like a hulked up or a hulked out version of Daniel Bryan. He has a stare down with Roman Reigns, and Paul asked Brock, of all the championships that they could go after together, why would he choose the Universal Championship? 
And Brock Lesnar counters that and says, why didn't you tell Roman Reigns that I was showing up to SummerSlam? So the bloodline, they look pissed off at Paul Heyman. Maybe can we trust him? We can't trust him. I think Roman Reigns might have even taken his championship away from Paul Heyman. Paul said that he he swears he didn't know that Brock was showing up at at, uh, SummerSlam, though. They left, and Paul turned, like, instantly to turn on that Brock Lesnar switch. Like, the ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, and I am the advocate, blah, 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 etc. So that was awesome to hear live again as well. But Brock just really wanted Paul Heyman to accept his challenge to Roman Reigns. He puts him up in the F5 position. Roman Reigns makes the save. The Usos then save Roman Reigns from getting an F5. And Brock Lesnar ends up hitting them with a couple of German suplexes. I thought it was a great segment to kick off SmackDown. After that, we go into Big E teaming up with the Mysterios, King Nakamura, and Rick Boogs to defeat Sami Zayn, Otis, Apollo Crews, and the Dirty Dogs. Before the match, Sami Zayn introduced someone who knows that he said uh, somebody who knew about winning in New York. So I thought for sure we were about to see the Brooklyn Brawler. I was getting ready to mark the hell out because I'm a big Brooklyn Brawler, Mark. Then it turns out to be Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. (laughs) I mean, I don't follow basketball. I don't really follow much of sports. So I didn't know who Trey Young was. But Madison Square Garden knew who Trey Young was. They booed him. He apparently uh, was on the team. They knocked the Knicks out of the playoffs. I thought that was fantastic heel heat. It didn't do much for me because, like I said, I, I don't know who he is. But just to hear the fact that people in Madison Square Garden did recognize him, they booed him, that was the perfect response. I thought that was great. Here, I also would have liked a, a full Nakamura entrance experience, but I didn't get to have that. But uh, as far as this match, it wasn't, there wasn't really much to it. It was just like move, 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 like the cluster of sorts. I don't even know if Apollo Crews was legal at any point in this match. I don't even know if Boogs was, re- was uh, legal at this, in this match at all. But Boogs probably was. I don't know. Uh, after that, though, we had the SmackDown Women's Championship contract signing where Bianca Belair basically kind of goaded Becky Lynch into coming out. Becky questioned what happens if she doesn't sign it. And Bianca Belair kept yelling, sign it, sign it, sign it, sign it, sign it. I thought Sasha Banks was going to come out because, like, that, I think, would have been an opportune time for her to come out. She was advertised, but that didn't happen. She was at Madison Square Garden. I saw video footage of her ignoring the fans (laughs) on her way into the garden. I thought that was fantastic. I thought that a lot of people were like, how dare she? But I think that's, like... Top-notch, top-tier, fantastic. Uh, Good work on her. Uh, But Becky Lynch did eventually sign the contract, and she threw it at Bianca Belair, and Bianca Belair catches it. That's got to count for some sort of athletic ability. But maybe this segment could have been a little bit shorter. After that, the live crowd at Madison Square Garden got a McAfee Minute. Uh, I guess he does that all the uh, at all the SmackDown shows. 
McAfee basically cuts a promo on the Taliban, referring them to referring to them as a uh, a word that I will not say on this show, which was surprising to hear at a WWE show, but. It was fun to see McAfee cut a promo like that. After that, we saw Seth Rollins pick up the victory over Edge. This was so damn cool to see. It was cool to see Edge wrestle live again. The last time I saw him wrestle live was February 2011 at Nassau Coliseum. He teamed with Kelly Kelly to defend the World Heavyweight Championship against Dolph Ziggler and Laycool, where they obviously... uh, Kelly Kelly won the World Heavyweight Championship or retained it for Edge. So I thought that was cool. But the last time I saw him wrestle at Madison Square Garden was the last time he was there. 11 years, 2 months, and 22 days to that point of last Friday. He lost to Randy Orton in, in the... It was just a normal live event. Edge retweeted that when I tweeted it. I thought that was pretty cool. Pop, big time for that. People are still like retweeting and liking it. But in this actual match, Seth Rollins, I liked using the Glam Slam. We got to see Edge basically do all his moves. We saw Edge counter Seth Rollins using a pedigree. But Seth Rollins ultimately kicked Edge below the belt and hit a bunch of super kicks and finally a stomp to pick up that victory. And then Edge was loaded into an ambulance and Rollins was asked about it and he's like, maybe I don't feel anything at all. So I think, I guess this is a way to get Edge written off TV. Maybe he'll be drafted to Monday Night Raw, perhaps. But after that, we saw the main event. The Street Profits picked up the victory over the Usos via disqualification. The tag team championships were on the line, so the Usos retained those. But this was a good match. Street Profits were about to win. Roman Reigns came out or came into the ring and locked Montez Ford in that chokehold causing the disqualification. And then Roman Reigns gets on the mic, and in regards to Brock Lesnar, says that he's not backing down from anyone. He's going to smash Brock Lesnar as soon as he's done smashing Finn Balor. And then the lights go out, the music turns on, you got the red lights flickering, the the smoke is filling the stage. I thought we were just going to see a little tease, and that was it. Demon King showed up. I was not expecting that at all. I did not expect that. I popped for that. I thought that was really cool. Prior to this, it, it was, I think, over two years since we've seen him. It was Super Showdown 2019 in Saudi Arabia. So I thought that was really cool. They stared each other down to end SmackDown. After that, uh, Happy Corbin came out for his dark match and got attacked by Demon King. After that, uh, Drew McIntyre came out for the match. He picks up the victory over Happy Corbin via disqualification because Corbin used a chair. It was a fun match. Not the most exciting, but still McIntyre was having fun, so I was having fun. And then the the actual final match that we saw, John Cena and the Mysterios picked up the victory over the Bloodline. This was a long match. Dominic worked most of it just trying to get a hot tag. I think it was cool to see John Cena wrestle live again. Had a bunch of let's go Cena, Cena sucks chants. I don't know if that is the norm for all the other events that Cena worked or just New York City. Um, But it would have been nice to see Zelina Vega 
It would have been nice. I saw, I mean, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart were used in a backstage segment with Paul Heyman, but it would have been really good to see them wrestle. I would have liked Tony Storm. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people were saying, how dare they not have a, a women's match on SmackDown? I don't know where they would have necessarily fit a match in. Like, they actually gave Edge and Seth Rollins the the time that I think it deserved. They gave the tag team championship match the time that I think it should have been given. I wouldn't have minded, like, a six-woman dark match before the show. But that's SmackDown. Moving over to Monday Night Raw. Night Nitro. Big E teased cashing in on Bobby Lashley on SmackDown. And come Monday Night Raw, he he on he sends out a tweet on Monday. I plan to cash in tonight. He opens up Monday Night Raw. RK Bro come out. Bobby Lashley and MVP were also involved. MVP said that Randy Orton politicked his way into getting a WWE Championship match versus them having their tag team championship match on Monday Night Raw. The match was supposed to take place at Extreme Rules. He gets it for Monday Night Raw. MVP also said that Big E is scared of Brock Lesnar. He's scared of Roman Reigns. But Big E puts the the briefcase right up into Bobby Lashley's face. Bobby smacks it away. And Randy Orton hits an RKO out of nowhere on Bobby Lashley. Basically setting up the whole main event scene. After that, we saw Charlotte Flair pick up the victory over Shayna Baszler. I feel like a lot of nothing happened in this. Nia Jax made her way out to the ring, which distracted Charlotte at first, but then she got involved later on, and it distracted Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler lost to a big boot, which I didn't like. I didn't like that finish. But next week, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax will be wrestling each other. After that, though... Alexa Bliss and Lily came out with a present for Charlotte and Flair tried to not accept it, but the crowd was chanting, take the gift or whatever. She takes it, opens it up, and it was a Charlie doll, which is a Charlotte version of Lily. Flair ended up throwing the doll at Alexa Bliss and Alexa Bliss snapped. She attacked Charlotte Flair and ends the segment holding up the Raw Women's Championship. I thought it was a great segment. Charlie dolls are on sale, just like Lily dolls are on sale at uh, WWE's shop. I wonder if, I mean, probably not, but I'm wondering if Alexa Bliss chose the name Lily. And if she did choose the name Lily, if it was Disney-related, maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Drew McIntyre teamed up with the Viking Raiders after that to defeat Jinder Mahal, Veer, and Shanky who attacked uh, Drew McIntyre before the match. Raiders made the save, and that was basically the whole match. Very quick match. Nothing really took place there. After that, we saw a 24-7 championship segment where it seemed like Drake Maverick might eventually train R-Truth and Akira Tozawa to become champion. Maybe. But it was really just Reggie just doing all those evasion stuff. Tactics. I thought it was a good segment. I'm looking forward to seeing 
Maverick maybe help our truth and Tozawa? After that, though, we saw an open challenge. Damian Priest defeated Jeff Hardy to retain the U.S. championship. Jeff Hardy, I guess, accepted earlier in the day, and Priest put out a tweet saying that's who he's facing. I would assume that because of everybody complaining last week that Jeff Hardy was involved in the 24-7 championship scene, that maybe that's why this match took place. But again, maybe that's not why that took place. But at one point, Damian Priest tried to backdrop Jeff Hardy from the middle rope. And Hardy turned around, landing right on Damian Priest's throat. But the match kept going. It looked like that hurt. I don't know if it actually did, but that looked like it really hurt. Um, after the match, though, we saw Sheamus jump Damian Priest. He attacked Jeff Hardy. And Damian Priest got back up, hit Sheamus with a brogue kick to end that segment. They still have their match at Extreme Rules. After this, uh, Nikki A.S.H. defeated Tamina. I could have done without this match, and it really wasn't that good. Tamina kicked out at two. The referee counted three. Tamina's music played. She was announced as the winner, even though she was the one that got pinned. Very confusing, but Tamina and Natalia attacked Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley after the match, leading into the match that was originally just supposed to happen, that the Nikki Cross and Tamina match stemmed from a backstage segment beforehand. But Rhea Ripley picked up the victory over Natalia. I, I want Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. I want them to be the next women's tag team champions. I don't need matches with Natalia and Tamina versus Rhea Ripley and, and Nikki A.S.H. Especially because Shotzi and Tegan were the ones, they, they, they have so many victories over the champions. Why is it Rhea Ripley and Nikki getting the shots? But Tamina gets involved in this. Nikki ends up tripping Natalia behind the referee's back. Natty tried to cheat using the ropes. I think these two were very messy back-to-back segments. After this, Mace, T-Bar, AJ Styles, and Amos pick up the victory over Mustafa Ali, Mansoor, and New Day. Decent match. Got to see a uh, unicorn stampede, which I always appreciate seeing, especially when it's not always the three members of New Day. When New Day's involved, I would still call it the unicorn stampede. But it, it was a good match. I liked, uh, or not even I liked, Mustafa Ali tagged himself in when Xavier Woods and Mansoor were about to do a tag team move. Ali did not get the upper hand. Basically saw that was the, the downfall moment for the match. We had all four faces try to take Amas down at one point. I like that. They couldn't do it. And Ali was the one that ended up losing for the team. After that, Dewdrop picked up the victory over Eva Marie. Again, somewhat of a quick match. But I like that Eva Marie got some moves in. Nothing major, but still got some moves in. We saw a backstage promo from Karrion Cross where he opened it by saying, My name is Karrion Cross." but I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. And that's a line directly from those old Sean O'Hare promos from 2003. 
I was a big fan of Sean O'Hare. I'm a big fan of that character in WWE. I'm I definitely marked out hearing that. So I appreciated that. And Karrion Cross said that he's here to pulverize everyone until they fall and pray. Perhaps this is what they should have been doing from the start. We saw earlier in the night, New Day backstage, they reunited. Just a quick, fun segment. They believe in Big E was the main takeaway from that. We also saw a segment where Riddle was saying that he'll be in Randy Orton's corner for the main event. Randy Orton had headphones on. Big E came in to wish Randy Orton luck, and then that was pretty much the end of that segment. Main event takes place. Bobby Lashley actually picks up the victory over Randy Orton to retain the WWE Championship. I thought this was a good match. The crowd was super hot for this match. We saw MVP pull Lashley towards the rope after Randy Orton hit an RKO. So Randy Orton goes to the outside. He RKOs MVP, but when he gets back into the ring, Lashley hits him with a spear and he loses. Lashley attacked Matt Riddle afterwards. He put Randy Orton through the commentary table. And then Big E runs down to cash in like he said he was going to do. He teased it on SmackDown, like I said before. They cut to commercial. I was like, what the absolute hell are you doing? They cut to commercial. I was taken, taken aback by that. But Big E versus Bobby Lashley eventually happens after the commercial break. And Big E picks up the victory to become the new WWE champion. The fans were completely behind Big E here. As much as they were behind Randy Orton, they were, I think, even more so behind Big E winning the championship here. For me, this was nerve-wracking to watch because I didn't know if Big E was going to actually win the title. I'm so, so happy that he won, though. It's awesome to see New Day came out to, to celebrate with him. Just overall, I was very happy to see that moment. Um, so Big E is the new WWE champion. and. During Monday Night Raw, they announced that the draft will be returning starting on October 1st for SmackDown, ending on the 4th of October, Monday Night Raw. So we'll look forward to the draft coming up. But that was Monday Night Raw. And now we're going to move over to, and by we, I mean me, I am going to move over to NXT 2.0. The new NXT arena, I think, looks very interesting. Maybe a mix of the United Nations, uh, WCW Worldwide, sprinkle in some slime time live at Universal Studios. If you've ever been in that studio where they filmed all the shows, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I believe Double Dare was probably filmed there as well. But maybe you had some WWE access. Interesting concept. Looks pretty cool to me. They aired promos from the guys in the main event. LA Knights was cut off by Braun Breaker, who wanted a chance to shine. So LA Knight sets him up for the first match of the night against himself. Braun Breaker picked up that victory over LA Knight. Breaker is the son of Rick Steiner, legendary Steiner brother. Uh, And I think he looked great in this match. He has a siren in his intro. 
Not the same as Scott Steiner, but I still thought it was cool. They mentioned him having the dog-faced gremlin mentality, so I thought the little uh, ode to his father was nice. And he came out looking like uh, looking like his father in the, the singlet and everything. But overall, I was impressed. Next up, we saw Imperium pick up the victory over Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Jensen is the son of Bull Buchanan. Recently signed. Brand new signing. Decent match. Definitely seems like uh, we're going to be getting a lot of these bigger guys on TV. We saw Hit Row cut a backstage promo leading into B-Fab's first match where she picked up the victory over Katrina Cortez. I I thought her corner kicks were very interesting. She'd like pull back and then kick. Um, But it was a very quick match. Uh, afterwards, she cut a promo on Electra Lopez, and Legato Del Fantasma came out. B-Fab said that she's ready to go right then and there, but Escobar stopped Electra from going into the ring. I won't be super shocked, but I'd be kind of surprised if this doesn't lead to war games. I know it's not typically the, the type of feud you'd maybe expect for war games, but I'm here for it. I think it's the biggest feud going in NXT right now, leading to a potential War Games match. After that, we saw backstage Austin Theory return for Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis's wedding. He showed up with what he said was a priest for the wedding, who then turned out to be Damian Priest, so that was a cool pop. Austin Theory went for the high five, but Johnny Gargano was like, nah, not tonight. And he hugs him, so it was a nice segment there. After that, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams came out to the ring. Trick Williams, brand new signee. Hayes spoke about winning the NXT breakout tournament and how there's a target on his back. So he has Trick there for backup. Duke Hudson had a stare down with Carmelo Hayes while he was on the way to the ring for his match. But Carmelo Hayes, um, I guess, was disrespected. By that, by that instance. So Trick went ahead and attacked him. Carmelo Hayes jumped in. I thought it was a nice uh, rolling big boot from Trick Williams. And a lot of people are calling this a heel turn for, for Carmelo Hayes. But I don't see it like that. Carmelo Hayes is a face who's tired of maybe not getting the spot and, and spotlight he deserves. And... Duke Hudson is a heel. It's not, I don't think he turned face in that segment. But I, I liked the segment. It was kind of like a straight-to-DVD movie, if that makes sense. But after that, we saw Gigi Dolan and JC Jane talking to Mandy Rose. But we did not see Mandy Rose's face. They were talking about her new look. Uh, then the match it leads into is Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Picking up the victory over Gigi Dolan and JC Jane via disqualification because Mandy Rose ran out and attacked them. Mandy Rose is now a brunette. I think it's a great new look. Saray made the save, and it leads into a six-woman tag. Mandy, Gigi, and JC pick up the victory over Casey Catanzaro, Caden Carter, and Saray. This was a good match. I think it was... From this night, I think the most like Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. 
I don't know if we got too many of those DQ finishes leading into a six-person tag or a tag match, something like that, that we would have on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown in a previous iteration of NXT. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that, that happened. And the crowd was, like, super into this. So, I thought it was a good match. I, I liked the, the one-armed body slam from Mandy Rose. It showcased her strength. This match really showcased her strength. She won with that running knee, and I'm just happy to see Mandy Rose wrestling in NXT and, and having that opportunity to, to shine here. After that, Ridge Holland picked up the victory over Drake Maverick. This went how you'd expect it to. Good showing from Ridge Holland again. Grayson Waller was out there with Drake Maverick. Not much else to say. After that, we got a video promo for a debuting guy, Tony D'Angelo. A Chicago guy, kind of like a mafia mob guy. All-American wrestler from the University of Buffalo if I'm not mistaken, but his family was in waste management, the fish market, the meat market. Don't mess with Tony D'Angelo. After that, we saw the Creed brothers pick up the victory over Dan Jarman and Trevor Skelly. This also went how you would have expected it to go. Again, a great showing for the Creed brothers. A lot of big guy moves here. After this, we saw Malcolm Bivens cut a promo Basically introducing us to Ivy Nile, who is Emily Anzulis. She uh, was on the Titan Games, which he mentioned. And she's an absolute beast. I watched the Titan Games. I normally wouldn't watch competition shows like that, but because The Rock was hosting, I watched every season. And she is one of those names that stuck out to me that was just like an absolute beast. So even when she got signed, I knew her. Um... She appeared on Raw Underground at one point, but this is definitely going to be a a good fit for her. So I'm looking forward to that. But in this segment, Kushida came out, dropped a You Talk Too Much, which I popped for, and said that he's ready for Roderick Strong, and then Malcolm Bivens pitched the match for next week, and I guess Kushida, looking at his watch, uh, means he accepted. So next week for the Cruiserweight Championship, we have that match. Earlier in the night, William Regal announced that Kyle O'Reilly will not be in the main event due to Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland attacking him. Von Wagner made the save, so William Regal added him to the main event. And Von Wagner is the son of Bo Beverly, the, the one half of the Beverly brothers is his father. And the match, the main event, we saw Champa, Tommaso Champa, pick up the victory over Pete Dunne, Von Wagner, and LA Knight to become the new NXT champion. I think Von Wagner looked pretty good in this match. Um, uh, LA Knight, I think, got busted open from Tommaso Champa when he dove out of the ring onto the three of them. But Tommaso Champa is now a two time NXT champion. He never actually lost the title. He had to vacate it back in 2019 due to neck surgery. So I'm happy to see him be champion. I don't think I, I didn't expect Champa to win. It was either LA Knight or Pete Dunne for me, but I'm 100% fine with Champa being champion. I'm a big fan of Champa. After that, to close out NXT this week, we had the wedding of Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. 
Io Shirai, Zoe Stark, the Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, Ikemen Jiro, MSK, and a few others were, were the guests. No surprise guests like Nick Aldis or Tommy Dreamer, as I had discussed previously via their Twitter accounts. But, uh, or because of their Twitter accounts, I should, I should say. But Austin Theory, at one point, they were asking for the rings. He did not have the rings. But Ikemenjiro had the rings and got a huge pop. But when the dude that was marrying them asked if anyone thought they shouldn't be married, <laughs> everyone raised their hand and Dexter Loomis opened his jacket to reveal an axe and they all put their hands down and I thought that was a funny segment. Um, I thought Indy's vows were great. Loomis's vow was just a thumbs up and the officiant was kind of pissed off that it was just a thumbs up so he put the guy to sleep and then they tried to make William Regal step up and marry them and I thought that was such like a cool moment because everyone everyone was like swept up and uh, caught up in the excitement of that I think the fans really like were behind William Regal getting into the ring to marry them and Beth Phoenix stepped up, and she, she married them. Andre Chase, at one point, stepped up to try to do something, but Odyssey Jones made him sit down. And at the end of it, Dexter Loomis actually said, I do. So those might be the first words that we've ever seen, uh, ever seen, ever heard Dexter Loomis say. I really like this wedding. I think it might be my favorite wrestling wedding of all time, and it actually happened. It's a very rare thing for that to actually take place. I don't know if there's ever been a wrestling wedding outside of Macho Man that, that hasn't ended like that. Although the, the wedding reception for Macho Man and Elizabeth did not end happily. But after the wedding, it pans back to see Tommaso Ciampa watching this on the TV. And Braun Breaker congratulates Tommaso Ciampa on becoming the champion. Ciampa congratulates him on his first win and his debut. And then it's basically just a big tease for a future match between the two of them where Breaker could potentially be that next NXT champion. Overall, I thought this was a really good episode of NXT. And there's a lot of haters out there, obviously. but. It's a complete, like, 180 from what it used to be. And I don't hate this. It's, like, maybe a better version of AEW Dark. And I, I don't understand how people are complaining that they had so many debuts. Literally supposed to, as per the news rumors, be, like, a developmental sort of thing. You gotta debut new people. They didn't have Frankie Monet versus Raquel Gonzalez, which, that's fine. Uh, things change. But, it's not like that match isn't going to happen. Overall, I just, I think this was a, a well done, it was not the best episode of NXT. It's not even close to being the best, but it's not close to being, like, bad. It was just completely different. You can't judge it. It's on a different scale to me. You can't put this up against what we saw last week. We, you can't put this up against what we saw 
six months ago. And you can't put this up against what we saw 10 years ago. It's too different. But that was NXT 2.0. Going to move over to NXT UK. Noam Dar picked up the victory over Kenny Williams to advance in the NXT UK Heritage Cup number one contenders tournament. I think Noam Dar could definitely be the one to win this tournament. I'm still hoping for Wolfgang, but I think it might be Noam Dar. But this match, I really like this match. I liked when Kenny Williams went for one of the, like the rebound moves. Noam Dar ducks it, locks in a submission. The round ends, so that saves Kenny Williams there from that submission move. But in one of the other rounds, Kenny Williams removed the turnbuckle pads. The referee was busy with that, puts putting it back on. Behind the ref's back, Noam Dar grabs a metal water bottle, tosses it to Kenny Williams, a la Eddie Guerrero. The ref turns around, sees it in his hands. He's like, no, no, no. And... Noam Dar locks him in that submission move to uh, tap him out for that round. But in the final round, Shaw Samuels grabbed Kenny Williams' leg to prevent him from getting back into the ring. And then he let go. Noam Dar hits a move, and then he hits his finisher to ultimately win that match. So Noam Dar is in the finals of that tournament. We have Teo Man and Wolfgang next week, I believe. After that, we saw Ilya, Ilya Dragunov uh, speaking to Sid Scala. About being champion, etc. Nathan Fraser came out to say why isn't he the first challenger for the championship. Rampage Brown said he's next. And then A-Kid also came out to make his uh, case for the, the next match. Sid Scala ended up making a triple threat match for next week to see who will be, who will be number one contender. Um, they all brawled and Rampage Brown came out on top there. Then we saw Amelia McKenzie pick up the victory over Stevie Turner. I think Stevie controlled most of this match. One misstep led to McKenzie picking up that victory. And then afterwards, during the uh, the break, we saw footage of Blair Davenport, who is suspended, showing up and attacking Stevie Turner. So I don't know if this means Stevie Turner from here on out is going to be faced or what. I have no idea. But they aired a video package for Charlie Dempsey, who will be making his debut soon in NXT UK. That is William Regal's son, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the ring. We all know William Regal is one of the best wrestlers of all time, so it should be interesting to see how Charlie uh, fits in at NXT UK. Main event saw Pretty Deadly pick up the victory over Gallus to retain the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Really good match. Um, I would have liked to have really seen Mark and Joe Coffey versus The Revival. Because they remind me a lot of them. So I think that would have been cool. This match, uh, pretty straightforward. Pretty Deadly uh, hit their tag team finish. Spoiled, uh, spilled milk, spoiled milk, spilt milk, I think it is, to uh, pick up that victory there. But that is NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. It opens up with the bloodline. Roman Reigns basically just saying he doesn't fear anyone. Uh, He doesn't fear a beast. He does not fear a demon. They all fear him. 
Big E came out to stare Roman Reigns down. Finn Balor came out, which led into their tag team match. Interesting to see Roman Reigns potentially feuding with three people. One being the WWE Champion, Big E. But Big E and Finn Balor picked up the victory over the Usos. Ran a match. Fun match. I think maybe a little ironic that the first match as WWE Champion, Big E has a tag match. But I like the finish. It was a nice coup de grace slash big ending at the same time finish. Later on, though, we had a good segment with Paul Heyman and Caleb Braxton. Then Big E, where he teased facing Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. He also brought up how maybe it's Brock Lesnar or Finn Balor that he'll be facing at Survivor Series. And then the Usos attacked Big E. We saw Rick Boogs pick up the victory over Robert Roode. I like the, the squatting Samoan drop that Rick Boogs did. Still no theatrics uh, before his finisher anymore, but uh, that Samoan drop was pretty cool. Commander Aziz and Apollo Crews attacked Boogs and Nakamura afterwards. And Apollo Crews said he wants a match with Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura, if I'm not mistaken, has a bunch of victories over Apollo Crews, so it literally makes no sense that he would get another title shot. After that, Happy Corbin attacked Kevin Owens during his entrance. We were supposed to see that as a match. That did not take place because he was attacked, so we'll see what happens with that. We saw Seth Rollins address what happened with Edge last week in Madison Square Garden. And he questioned what people thought was going to happen. He blamed Edge and he blamed the fans for what happened. And he also said that he's not yet done with Edge. He said Beth Phoenix mentioned on on NXT this week that Edge is at home recuperating. So if he's at home recuperating, he's not done with him. We saw Tony Storm and Liv Morgan pick up the victory over Zelina Vega and Carmella via countout. This was the match that was apparently cut from SmackDown last week at the Garden. Not much took place here. Carmella ends up smashing her nose into the turnbuckle, rolls out of the ring, yells, my nose, my nose, over and over again. The referee didn't check on her. I have no idea why the ref wouldn't check on her. But they get counted out. Liv Morgan challenged Carmella to a match at Extreme Rules. I'm thinking maybe... um, Some sort of makeover match based off of the promo. So we'll see what happens there. Also, we had the saga of the demon. Finn Balor basically just explaining where the demon comes from. Comes from everybody who's ever told him no. It comes from his rage. He doesn't summon the demon. The demon summons him or the demon comes to him. And uh, then a graphic turned him from Finn Balor into the demon. After that, Sonya Deville was on the phone and Naomi demanded that she hangs up. She wants a match. She, Sonya Deville keeps dodging Naomi. And Sonya Deville was like, next week, come to me. There's no, no uh, time left on this show. Naomi basically yelled at her about not being respected. She is going to get her match. But then she was apparently fined, I think they said $5,000 for insubordination. I don't know where this is leading to. Maybe it'll lead to Naomi finally joining the bloodline. I have no idea. But after that, Sami Zayn picked up the victory over Dominic. Um, Rey Mysterio was on commentary here. And Dominic, we see him go hit the 619. 
Goes up for the frog splash. Rey Mysterio is like, faster, climb faster. Goes, hits the frog splash. Sami Zayn gets his knees up. Rey Mysterio was disappointed. Sami Zayn yelled at Rey Mysterio afterwards saying that Dominic's not ready. I think this might be his third victory over Dominic. I'm not positive. But the end of the night, we saw Kane make his return to WWE television, hosting the Bianca Belair homecoming segment. She went to the University of Tennessee, which is where SmackDown was. So that's pretty cool to see her get to go back as a WWE superstar. They showed footage of her going to her high school uh, or her, I think it was her elementary school or middle school. I'm not sure. Definitely maybe high school. (laughs) I'm not sure. But it was cool to see her go back. Um, And I was wondering if we would see Kane because they were in Knoxville. So that was cool to see him at was getting towards the end of the night. I didn't think we'd see him. But Kane said that after Bianca Belair wins at Extreme Rules and brings the SmackDown Championship back to her waist, he wants to have her go back to Knox County and and, uh, throw her a big celebration. But before that, he's going to present her with the key to Knox County. She started to sing Rocky Top, which is the university's fight song. And then Becky Lynch cut it off and said that she wants to shake Bianca Belair's hand. Bianca Belair was hesitant, but she goes out for the handshake. She holds it. She goes to hit the kiss of death, but got hit with the manhandle slam instead. Maybe she shouldn't have done that. (laughs) But, uh, and I don't see uh, Bianca Belair winning at Extreme Rules, but... um, it was a it was a nice finish to SmackDown to see her with well bef- before the Manhandle Slam at least to see her come out and be in her hometown to celebrate. Um, Monday Night Raw though next week they they announced we're going to get New Day versus the Bloodline, which is interesting that they're going to give that match away so soon. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, right now, I'm going to take a quick little break, hear a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it, Brandon's never done it. You're down there, you, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick, you get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way, I can charge my lawnmower 3.0 my camera batteries and my phone all on the same shelf huzzah if you're listening to me speak right now i want you to experience it 
firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS. That's one for this uh, read at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS. That's two for this read at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 554. Remember, head over to manscaped.com. Use that code REGARDLESS. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Pick up the brand new lawnmower 4.0. Manscaped.com. Use the code REGARDLESS. AEW Rampage from last week. We saw Andrade pick up the victory over Pac, which was supposed to happen at All Out. I'm still not 100% sure what happened there. There were some rumors, but I'm not here to discuss rumors. Uh, Neither of them had entrances. It was just like the opening video and Justin Roberts announcing them. So it, it kind of made it into like a big fight feel. I kind of wish they did the entrances but a lot of people were saying how good this match was and I enjoyed the match up until they broke out a taser which led to the end of the match Lucha Brothers ran down to stop the taser bit Chavo clocked Pac with something I think Andrade then realized that Chavo did that and dumped Chavo Guerrero Pac puts him in the brutalizer. That ends that segment. After that, we saw Star, uh, Starby, Darby Allen and Sting. They were interviewed. I, man, they just keep teasing Sting versus Tully Blanchard here. Which now I'm remembering all of this. I, uh, I watched Dynamite this week. I completely forgot all of this, but <laughs> Sean Spears attacked Darby Allen behind Sting's back. And that was that was basically it. After that, Chris Statlander, Riho, and Ruby Soho picked up the victory over Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. The match wasn't terrible, but it fell apart at the end. The referee lost all control. Rye kicked end of the match. Fine finish. And then the main event saw Brian Pillman Jr. pick up the victory over Max Caster. Decent match, but the acclaimed beat him down afterwards, and John Moxley made the save, the Cincinnati save. And then uh, AEW Dynamite this week, live from The Rock, the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Saw AEW Dynamite. This was originally supposed to be Blood and Guts way back when. Now uh, it was just basically a bigger build to a bigger show. Uh, CM Punk sat on commentary for most of the night. First match of the evening saw Adam Cole pick up the victory over Frankie Kazarian. This was the best match of the night. I thought uh, it was kind of funny that Kazarian was being booed here and Adam Cole was being heavily cheered. But we saw Frankie Kazarian catch the Panama Sunrise to reverse it. He finally, uh, Adam Cole did finally hit the Panama Sunrise and followed it up with the last shot. I 
really hope they were on commentary kind of maybe teasing a little bit stuff between uh Adam Cole and CM Punk so I could only hope for CM Punk versus Adam Cole at the Dynamite taping in December at the UBS arena afterwards Adam Cole said that the locker room can't keep up with the elite and he said that he's got a problem with Christian and the Jurassic Express and challenged them to a six-man tag match next week for Rampage. Christian and them, they accepted. So next week's Rampage from Grand Slam will be uh, two hours for some reason and feature that match, the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, Super Click, as they call themselves, back from the Ring of Honor days. After that, Tony Schiavone interviewed Sammy Guevara and Fuego Del Sol backstage. Fuego bought a car with his new contract from AEW, and he wants to still be the TNT champion. So he challenged Miro and put his car up on the line versus the championship on Rampage next week, and Miro accepted. After that, we saw MJF trash New Jersey and Bruce Springsteen, which that crowd should have rioted right then and there. Um, but he brings up Brian Pillman and he like starts by looking up towards quote unquote heaven. Then he turns it down and looks down towards what would be hell. And then he speaks about Brian Pillman Jr. Brian Pillman Jr. came out and MJF made, uh, Wardlow get in between or try to go up to the entrance ramp to catch him. But of course he was there with a chair in the ring. And Wardlow comes back into the ring. MJF is begging him to stop. Wardlow takes the chair. Pillman goats him into running at him, and then he pulled down the rope, so Wardlow fell out of the ring. They go into an interview with JR and Brian Pillman Jr. from earlier in the day. The placement to me makes no sense. That should have been prior. This was about Brian Pillman Jr. versus MJF at Arthur Ashe Stadium. This should have been the previous segment, and then you go into the live stuff, if you're going to have to do that anyway. I don't think that was even necessary. But after that, we saw FTR pick up the victory over Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. Uh, Didn't really like the match. I like everybody in it, but uh, just didn't care for the match. Uh, I feel like not much happened. After that, though, we saw a Suzuki Goon promo for Rampage next week. They're going to be facing John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, um, which I'll I, I'll touch on that more towards the end. But after that, we saw Malachi Black come out, talk about Cody Rhodes, talk about how there's a traitor among the the audience. Rosario Dawson was there, got physical with Alistair uh, Malachi Black. Makes no sense. She's on the go-home show or whatever it's called. Cody, unfortunately, comes down and makes the, the save. I, I mean, she wasn't... It didn't look like she was in danger. But Cody comes out to brawl. They brawl into the, the stands. Cody throws somebody's beer. Alistair Black throws somebody else's beer. Disgusting. I could have done without this segment. And I think AEW's been a lot better since Cody's been out. So I'm just hoping next week at Grand Slam, Cody does not pick up the victory over Malachi Black. Backstage, we have the Dark Order. Uh, Anna Jay was about to be interviewed about her match on Rampage against the Bunny. And all they did was argue. And she was like, I don't want 
any of you if you're just going to argue. And she ran away with Ty Conti. After that, Dan Lambert had his promo, uh, America's Top Team, and uh, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky. Page Van Zant was there, which I think uh, probably should have been a bigger thing that they like would have put over. But Chris Jericho and Jake Hager came out, owned them, basically. Uh, indirectly mentioned his backstage brawls with Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. <laughs> But there's going to be the Inner Circle versus America Top Team. American Top Team? I don't even know what they're called. But Dan Lambert's gimmick is... I don't even know. Is it Maybe it's Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page next week. That's going to be taking place. We saw a Gun Club video package promo explaining... Well, so it was supposed to be explaining why they did what they did to Big Show. But it doesn't really explain they're just like we're all undefeated like different team iterations of all three of them we're all undefeated not really mentioning big show at all after that we saw jade cargill defeat layla hirsch i don't think this should have been on television i don't think it was a good match after that taz came out to scream at cm punk CM Punk stared Hook down. For some reason, the IWC has it in, inside of them that, like, we need to see Hook versus CM Punk. I, I don't know why that's a thing. But Powerhouse Hobbs attacks CM Punk and chokeslammed Punk onto the commentary table. Did not break, I don't think. I'm not really invested in this feud, though. A lot of people are pissed off that CM Punk went from like a main event feud to a lower mid-card feud, but I think it's good. Regardless of me not being invested in this, I think it's good because CM Punk is working with younger talent and putting them over, so I see no problems with this feud. After that, Darby Allen picked up the victory over Sean Spears. Um, I don't know. I... I, this was another match I didn't need. FTR got in the ring afterwards and fought with Sting and Darby Allen. Tully Blanchard hit Sting with a chair. And FTR jumps Sting. They did the double pile driver to him. And FTR will be facing Sting and Darby Allen live at Arthur Ashe Stadium next week on Dynamite. That's a... Uh, a nice little treat. It's like one of those things. I don't need to see Sting wrestle on TV, but if I'm going there live, which I'm not, if I'm there live, I think, yeah, hell yeah, why not? I'll watch Sting wrestle. That's fine, regardless of how it is. His last match was pretty good. After that, we saw Daniel Bryan in a video package saying that he's going after Kenny Omega. And then it goes into Tony Schiavone interviewing Bryan Danielson in the ring. Why have that? If you're just going to have him in the ring, he could literally say 10 seconds, I want Kenny Omega in a match. Boom. Then Don Callis comes out. But whatever. Callis and Omega come out. Brian Danielson doesn't care what Callis has to say. He just wants Kenny Omega. Don Callis says no. And then Brian tells him to shut up. And maybe goats Kenny Omega a little bit, and Omega accepts it. 
And that's taking place next week, probably the main event of AEW Dynamite, Grand Slam. It's a big event next week. It's probably the biggest AEW show they've, they've ever done. Certainly with the most attendees. I think it was like 18,000 people. A little bit more than that. That's Madison Square Garden level. It's a big show next week. After that segment, we saw Matt Hardy vow to shave Orange Cassidy's head. And then the main event saw Eddie Kingston and John Moxley pick up the victory over 2.0. We saw 2.0 and Daniel Garcia attack them during the entrance, but John Moxley gets the upper hand. Eddie Kingston did not get the upper hand there. But uh, I don't know. I feel like this shouldn't have been the main event. I get with the aftermath, you want like the fans to be like, oh, this is incredible. But no, I think Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian should have been the main event. The aftermath saw Ke- uh, Minoru Suzuki come out, basically just so the fans could have what they want, the full Kaze Ninare. Suzuki Goon fought with Moxley and Eddie Kingston in the crowd, just like last week, did not need that. It should have been Adam Cole and Frankie Kazarian. But that was AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Tess is and chic. You listen to the Brandon shout-outs. The first shout-out goes to the Mets and Yankees game from Saturday on September 11th. I thought all the video packages that they had were great. The one that they had for the Mets and the Braves game that took place on September 21st, 2001 which was the first game in New York post 9-11. I thought that was a really good one. Joe Torre and Bobby Valentine both threw out the ceremonial first pitch. I thought that was really cool to see. They were the managers of the Yankees and the Mets in 2001. Um, so yeah, that's, that gets the first shout-out. The White Lotus gets the second shout-out. I finally watched it on HBO. I binged it, so I already finished season one. I'm happy that it's getting picked up for uh, season two. But it follows a group of people during their week on vacation in Hawaii. Um, a pretty stacked cast, I would say. I liked the show. I liked the, the, the characters and everything. The story. There was one scene with Jennifer Coolidge that had me dying. I thought it was so funny. But I would say check it out. It's now on HBO Max. It's on HBO, so you'll have it on demand too, I believe, if you have HBO. Uh, next up, I really hate giving out anti-shoutouts, but I have to give an anti-shoutout to the new WWE program. I think it's the most incomplete program since 2009. It has John Cena in it, so it should have people like Finn Balor. It should have Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Shelton Benjamin's missing. All the announcers and interviewers. Becky Lynch. I understand that Becky Lynch was away, but she was still part of the roster. She, she's not in it. Brock Lesnar, I don't believe, is in it. I did pop that uh, Lily made the cut, though. I thought that was funny. But my last shout-out goes to Norm MacDonald, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 61. He had apparently been battling cancer, but it was never 
uh, known to the public. But my first introduction to Norm would have probably been Billy Madison. And he's been in so many other Adam Sandler movies. He's been in so many other projects. He was on Weekend Update for Saturday Night Live. I think his Burt Reynolds is my favorite character of his from SNL. And on the 40th anniversary episode, when they did Celebrity Jeopardy, he crashes the set, I guess, as Burt Reynolds, obviously. And one of the things that he's trying to... He ends up talking about Andre the Giant, which I thought was funny. And um, beyond that, he was the voice of the dog in the franchise, uh, the Dr. Doolittle franchise. He played Michael Richards in my favorite movie, Man on the Moon, during that Friday's sketch with Andy Kaufman. He co-wrote and starred in Dirty Work with Artie Lang, which is such a good movie. It's got a stacked cast. Don Rickles, Chevy Chase, Chris Farley, so many others. But I always looked forward to seeing Norm MacDonald on the late night talk shows, whether it be Fallon, um, Moore, specifically also Conan. Because every time he was on Conan, he'd come on, he'd tell like this, <laughs> not really a 30-minute joke, but it seemed like a 30-minute joke just for the, the quick punchline at the end. But that was Norm. And he was so funny. My, literally one of my favorite jokes of all time was told by Norm with the, uh, it was about the, the moth. If you look up the moth joke, Norm MacDonald, you will see that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so my condolences go out to Norm's family and his friends. It's just such a shame. But those are my shout outs and an anti shout out. Now it's time for my. right my mark out moment of the week i gotta say hearing john cena talk about SummerSlam and wwe on the tonight show last week was cool i thought for sure he would have plugged the the garden show but he did not but he also spoke about being the prototype and they showed footage of the prototype on the tonight show with jimmy fallon so i thought that was really cool because you never really expect to see something like that on the tonight show also um it's like Ron Funches on James Corden talking about his feud with Tony Deppin. Like, you don't think you would see stuff like that. Because wrestling, I don't, I don't know, is wrestling, wrestling's maybe not the, the most mainstream thing. So it's always cool to see something like that. But seeing Edge wrestle at Madison Square Garden again, definitely a markout moment. Seeing the Demon King show up at SmackDown, also definitely a markout moment. Uh, and also speaking of SmackDown, afterwards... I was roaming around Penn Station looking for a place to sit, but there's all this construction going on. I literally hope I never have to go to Penn Station during all this construction again. And I wasn't even like, I wasn't super comfortable going to SmackDown with all those people in the first place and having the Long Island Railroad. You're supposed to wear masks. There were people not wearing masks, but Madison Square Garden, everybody had to be vaccinated. So I felt somewhat safer there. I wore my mask literally from like five o'clock until 1 a.m. But 
after SmackDown, I'm roaming around Penn Station, and I got really hot down in, in the, the train station. So I figured I'd go up to the street, and I just happened to randomly be where the, the wrestlers were leaving. So I'm watching the, the group of people be, like, frantically waiting for, for wrestlers out there. And Angelo Dawkins showed up, and he signed for almost absolutely everybody, took pictures for anybody, with, that, with anybody, I should say. And somebody stops me. I just, first of all, I decide, I'm like, okay, he's getting towards the end of that line. I'm going to go up. I'll grab a picture. I'm a big fan of the Street Profits. I'll go up, grab a picture. And somebody stops me and asks me who it was. And I'm like, it's Angelo Dawkins. The guy's like, who? I'm like, the Street Profits? And the guy's like, still like, not a clue in the world who he is. Dude goes in front of me to grab the picture and Dawkins goes, last picture. I was like, no, <laughs> but whatever. It was still cool to see Dawkins up close like that, I guess, but uh, did not get a picture with him. Uh, but then I guess my, my next mark out moment comes from Triller. They had that Evander Holyfield boxing match with uh, Vitor Belfort. One of the streams had Donald Trump on commentary with Todd Grisham. And I popped because they were talking about WWE and WrestleMania and Brock Lesnar. And this basically goes back to what I said with the Tonight Show and, and the James Corden show. It's like you don't expect to hear people talk about stuff like that on events like that. Even though Donald Trump's in the WWE Hall of Fame, even though Todd Grisham is a former WWE commentator, you don't expect to hear stuff like that. So it's always cool. And then, of course, I think the, the ultimate markout moment of the week has to be Big E winning the WWE Championship, successfully cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase contract or whatever you want to call it. I am so, so happy. I said that before for Big E. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the markout moment of the week. That was episode 554. Like I said before, I am your host, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTDG161. You can follow Chris at Chris Sweendog, David at DavidPTDPT, collectively at MarkingOut, MarkingOut11 on Instagram and YouTube, Facebook.com slash MarkingOut. Go to Manscaped.com, use the code REGARDLESS and get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Buy some t-shirts there. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitch Radio, Spotify Podcasts. You can use MarkingOut.com as well. And I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic